Name a career in which you may not have to worry about performance and still get paid, uh, besides the weatherman. Well, of course you expect your broker to perform well, but what if they put your money in the market and the market doesn't perform? 50% chance of rain or sunny skies. Is it time you learned how to keep your principal and protect your gains with a higher income strategy? That's why to tune in to the Total Financial Hour with host Eric Hallaby, Sundays at 11 a.m. Learn about your financial power on the Total Financial Hour, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halaby, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power. Total. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here today. Appreciate it this morning. We're talking about your family's finances, of course, getting out of debt, managing money, planning for the future. What is that all about when we're talking about retirement or retirement planning or, or budgeting? We're going to get into a little bit of that today, and I want to encourage you to do two things. Uh, number one, you can always give us a call. The number works uh, all week long, of course, uh, even on the weekends. 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. I want to thank you guys also for for reaching out. Gosh, we've had so many phone calls uh, in the last, uh, at least the last two weeks, probably going back the last three weeks. It's been pretty incredible to hear your response on the things that we are talking about every day, which is retirement, security, pensions, whether or not you stay or leave California. What are the taxes in California? Like, what are the changes that are happening? And why does this, uh, you know, make a big difference? If you've not paid attention to this week, Boy, has the market been volatile, right? I mean, between going up and down uh, in an extreme manner, right? Our job is to look at it and say, uh, oh, gosh, here's my retirement account. Now, let's think back. When your food, shelter, clothing, right, your expenses come from your job, you want some semblance of normalcy, some security, some predictability. And that occurs with a paycheck. Now, it might be your small business and you've learned how to budget your money. If, if you're a successful small business, you know that there's ups and downs. So you've been there over time, meaning you're familiar with the ebbs and flows. And so you've budgeted accordingly. If you work for a city or a county or a state or a company, small or large, you know that your paycheck is generally either the same or even a little higher if you have bonuses, pay raises. Okay. That's an important part because this is what happens in your life. Your retirement accounts should go up and down when you're in your 20s and 30s and maybe even your early 40s, right? It it depends. Do you have 20 to 25 years before retirement? If you do, then yeah, it could make sense, quite a bit sense actually, to have some or part of your money go up and down and spend time in the market because when the market's down, you're buying more shares, right? Predictability-wise, you're investing every month, you're depositing every month into your retirement accounts. And if it's in the stock market, it's called dollar cost averaging. And it smooths out the ups and the downs and the rough parts that happen. It smooths that out. So you're not in a position to say, well, gosh, I just, I lost a whole bunch of money. And I guess the broker, Wall Street, the financial company, they're the only ones that win. Because you never want to be part of a game where you're the only one that can lose. Why would you play a game? Hey, this is the Super Bowl. 
right? This is the game of the century, game seven of the World Series, and one team can win only, and the other team could win or could lose. So in other words, either it's a tie at the end of the game or you lose. Why would you play that game? You would say, that's kind of a silly set of rules, except in your retirement accounts when you're in the market and your brokers are constantly charging fees, monthly or quarterly or annually. Or I love it when they say things like, we do better when you do better. And you say, well, that just means you make more money when I make more money. I'm okay with that. But why is it that you make money when I lose money? (laughs) Wouldn't you think that there would be something wrong with that formula, except... They have amazing commercials with green lines that follow the road, with orange jumping uh, you know, animals, farm animals. They do whatever they can to make it so that you look like, well, this is fun. It's easy. Look at how simple that little bull through the china shop. He's not touching a thing. This is brilliant. I want two of those. Because if you guess correctly, you win. That's wonderful. But if you guess incorrectly, you lose. If you guess incorrectly, your retirement is postponed, delayed, or even canceled altogether. Can I say we have seen that consistently? When the coronavirus first came out and people said, oh, it's the goal was flatten the curve. Remember that? Flatten the curve. Everybody said, oh, flatten the curve. Stay home to flatten the curve. All right. So we did. We flattened the curve. Four weeks in, five weeks in, and we're still closed. And then they said, oh, now it's about wearing a mask. So wear a mask, and it's about a vaccine. Or, or, right, it's about hospitalizations. And then we have hospitals closing. Closing half of their hospitals, laying off half of their people. We have hospitals that are consistently going through and saying, listen, we have lost money. There's a prominent hospital in L.A. that's lost over 250 million dollars in what four months three four months the first three four months of the year when they were making money january february the next three or four months they lost a quarter of a billion dollars now you have to ask yourself maybe we could buy some more ppe if we made that money maybe we could buy some ventilators Or maybe we could add an emergency wing in the parking lot to handle coronavirus patients. But instead, you had science get hijacked by the Dems. Let me tell you, they will already, if they haven't already, hijack the math. Because when it comes to something like Social Security, let's be clear, they're not going to run out in 2033 or 2035. That's not what happened. It's not an, okay, Mary Sue of Des Moines, Iowa gets the very last check. There you go, Mary. Everybody else. See you later. That's not how it works. What happens instead is they're going to say 2030, because they're still collecting money. Remember, people are still working. They're still depositing money into the system. The problem with Social Security is during the lockdown, during the few months of lockdown, when people were not working, they were not putting into Social Security. But guess what? You were still collecting a check, weren't you? When people were laid off, they weren't putting into their pension systems. But guess what? Pensioners were still collecting Social Security. So when it's a one-way street, you need to be thinking beyond the politics. So what will probably happen with something like Social Security? They're going to say, look, here's the deal. You're going to get 75% of your, of your check. That's what we can afford to do. 
So if you were supposed to receive $2,000, maybe you'll receive $1,500. Okay, so that matters because I don't want you to run and hide to, to the hills, but I do want you to pay attention to think just maybe my social security will re- be reduced. So they have to work on this. You have to vote for the right people. We are a one-party state. So if you think the state pension system is in good hands, um, I've got a bridge to sell you in Brooklyn. If you think the federal social security system is in good hands of politicians, do you, let's, let's go back 100 years or so. Right after the politicians destroyed the second iteration of the Bank of the United States. You know, we used to have one. We used to have something called the Bank of the United States. And it failed not once, but twice. And when it did, there was no central bank. Like today, there's the Bank of Japan. There's the European Central Bank. There is the Bank of England. Okay, so uh, all of these institutions exist, and they are the central banking system for the national control of money, et cetera. There's a lot more to it, of course. But So we used to have that in the United States. We had the Bank of the United States. And then around uh, 1908, 1910, right, 100, 110 years ago, plus or minus, all of a sudden, the Bank of the United States failed, not once, but it was the second time. And it was done because the politicians decided that they were going to get their dirty, grubby little hands and put those in and start taking money and manipulating things for their friends or their family. But here's what took place. Finally, the United States said, let's be clear on something. Politicians, you're just not good at handling money. So what they did is they came along and they said, we're going to give it to J.P. Morgan, the Rothschilds, the Vanderbilts, private institutions. That's where the Federal Reserve came from. So don't think the Federal Reserve is this uh, you know, government agency. It's not. It, it, it's actually run by 12 different banks. It's decentralized. There's one central bank. And at the risk of, of cutting short one of, a, a, I think, most fascinating history lessons, I want to be clear on something. You need to look and ask yourself, if I let the politicians continue to put my hands in pensions, California state pension, $450 billion upside down, if I let the folks in Washington, D.C. continue to touch Social Security, Will they make the right decisions? Heaven forbid we have Democrats up, down, and sideways. You see, finally the Republicans are playing their game. Right? They, they let the judicial branch set law. They let the judicial branch uh, run the system. So why this really changed a lot was all of the sudden, bam, President Trump comes in and has 200 plus judges that he's confirmed, had gotten confirmed. Look, you can say a lot, and, and I'm with you. You can say a lot about Mitch McConnell. You know, I wish he was more of this. I wish he was less of that. But you could say the same thing about whoever, right? My wife, your husband, your wife, your parents. Oh, I wish they were a bit more, right? Of course, they're human beings. So I, I don't agree with everything Mitch McConnell says. You've heard me say this a hundred times before. I don't agree with the president of the United States a hundred percent of the time, right? I'm married to my wife. I don't agree. I mean, you get it? Let's, let's, let's be adults here. But what you can say about Mitch McConnell is, whoa, 
200-plus judges now filling all of the appeals court vacancies? And really being clear, ready for this, I think this is pretty important. These are young men and young women. They are a young group of people that could be there for a generation. Great bench, as they say, no pun intended, a great bench for potential federal appeals court or Supreme Court nominee at a later date. So there's some wonderful men and women behind the scenes. And look, it's the game the Democrats played. I don't know if your financial life, whether it's pension regulations, whether it's the California rule, some of you know what that is. I don't know if it's going to get into Social Security becomes a hot topic again, because the moment any politician on either side of the aisle, because there are good men and women on both sides. I don't know about the far left. I, I don't I don't know of <laughs> too many decent people there that don't abhor the tearing down of statues and the occupying of uh, a free country. Right. Maybe unless you're Washington uh, state governor or Seattle coward mayor. Or listen, as a former police officer, guys, I'm going to tell you to watch. My old classmate, the San Francisco police chief, to watch the Seattle police chief, you know, a, a, a colleague from afar, be ultimate cowards. I really don't like using that. Evil and cowards are two words I don't use very often. But to watch the police officers, the mayors, uh, the, the, I should say the police chiefs and the mayors get in there and be cowards. When you have the men and women in the police department wanting to step up, I fear for what will happen when it is not a human being, but when it's a dollar bill. We've asked these men and women to step up and to do something for you. And we said, we're going to pay you. It's not, you're not going to be a millionaire tomorrow. This is not going to, you're not going to be the next tech billionaire, but we're asking you to be trained the best you can, make the best judgments you can and be on the streets as men and women in law enforcement. When I was in a part of the, the uh, riots in 1992, you may not know this, but we had a lot of riots in 1991 in Westwood. In fact, I think it was my first week. So when did I arrive in West LA division? I want to say it was like late summer of 1991. And here I am as a young Los Angeles police officer, 23 years old. And I remember... Being there and thinking, uh, you got to be kidding. There are riots and we're watching them run a truck into warehouse records, a truck they stole. And our command staff sat there and allowed it to happen. We said, hey, Lieutenant, do you not see what's going on down there? Oh, yeah, no big deal. Well, we're going to hold our line. Now, I understand it's difficult to be a leader. I've had to be in positions making decisions that are not the same that I would make maybe if I was a street line officer. I get it. But the cowardice that we've seen where the men and women of the police departments were not allowed to do their job because the leadership was afraid. You go, hey, era financial company. Yep. Yep. Because here is where the change comes. These same cowardice politicians. Uh, sorry, guys. My friends on the Republican side, you, you didn't see a lot of Courage coming out of them either, did you? Putting down a knee? Uh, sorry, I, I, 
that doesn't work for me. Well, in the sake of unity, baloney, I'll tell you what unity, unity for the 15 loudmouths. What about for the 90% that don't, don't think socialism is the answer? Can someone stand up and be a bit more courageous? I don't know, maybe. Because I think you guys have to have a level here to back up and look. You cannot trust Wall Street to watch your money. They didn't in 2000. They didn't in 2008 or 9 or 2001 or 2. They did it in 1987 and 1991. I can go on. We didn't even get back to the Great Depression. I don't think you can trust Wall Street to say, watch out for me. Here are my special uh, hopes, fears, dreams. So you got to take it in your own hands. That's the point, right? The point is, how do we build a retirement strategy? Well, number one, I want you to focus on income. Because if you wake up on the first of every month and you go online and you open up your bank account and you see a deposit, I don't know, pick a number, $10,000. And then the next month, on the first of the month, you wake up, roll over, and another 10000 is deposited. I think you live differently. Right? I ask guys sometimes in a group setting, and when I'm speaking to folks, I say, look, how many of you do this? You would prefer a million dollars in cash or 10000 a month for the rest of your life. Now, if you say, I want a million in cash, I'm going to flip it into two million in no time. I'm going to double it and triple it. Fine. That just wouldn't be me. That wouldn't be my strength. I'm going to tell you, go find somebody who is better at the risk thing. Because just like you can turn a million into two million, you could also turn it in to 300,000. Right? I mean, you understand that it doesn't, uh, it's not a one-way street where it just goes up. If you're going to take that kind of risk, you have to be willing to take that kind of loss. So I need you to understand this because from a sharing standpoint, if you say, gosh, Eric, income which is my very first point, income is the answer to give you a guaranteed month, monthly, then that's great. Then your bills could be paid. You know what's predictable. You can live comfortably. If you've built up enough money, number two, right? Number one is income. Number two is if you've built up enough savings to have extra funds, then what do I want you to have? Very simply, guys. I want you to have a comfort level to spend it. It's called a play checks. Tom Henya, uh, a guest, uh, I don't want to say a frequent guest, we've had him on our show twice of my shows, a great man, I think he's a, an amazing author, you should look out for his books, Paychecks to Playchecks, right, play as in P-L-A-Y, important you know that because most people retire when they have enough to pay their bills, in other words, exist. I think you're going to want a guaranteed stream of income, so number two is have another set of uh, stream of income that's above and beyond your food, shelter, clothing, right? Because your food, shelter, clothing, remember, when you're working comes from your job, your paycheck. When you're retired, you might have a small pension. You might have a social security check that's decent. But what about living? Because the first 10 years of your life, right? The first 10 years of your retirement life usually is your most active. Right? It's called the go-go years. The go-go years means this. You're going to travel. You're going to go places. You're going to take grandkids out. You're going to uh, maybe move. You're going to do a lot of things. You're, you're physically out and about. Cruise ships are full of go-go year people. <laughs> 
The next 10 years is your slow go years. So if you think from age 65 to 75, that's when you're moving. But from 75 to 85, you're slowing down. You've done your international travel. You're probably going to stay home uh, or within, I don't know, 40, 50, 100 miles. I think there's a number that, that he's assumed, but it's in that area. You're, you're not going to go too far away. You're going to stay in your neighborhood. You're going to go on day trips, maybe overnight trips. You're going to hit your favorite place up the coast or back east. Or, but you're going to go places, but not too far. That's the slow go years. Now, what about the third? The third phase of life, the last 10 years of that 30-year retirement is the no-go years. So what does the no-go years mean? It means a couple of things. It means that most likely you're going to need people to come to you. And you're probably not going to go to them. It means you're going to need care. You're going to need someone to come in either daily or weekly or monthly. Someone is going to need to come in and take care of your, your food, your, your house cleaning, maybe take you to the store, to your doctor's appointments. There's going to be a lot of that that happens. And as that starts to happen, as you start to see that slow go years, believe it or not, you, statistically speaking, you may spend more money in the last 10 years of your life than you did in the first 20 years, right? So you're mo- more likely to be in a position to where you are now going to have to have money come to you, right? That's why direct deposit, all that stuff works. But you're also going to be required, in my opinion, to have people come to you. And we've started seeing that happen over and over and over. And that's where you guys, that's where us, that's where people settle in and get to the place where you and I are not, are not going to find ourselves on the wrong end of the stock market. You can't be in a position to where you're saying, we're going to be spending money left and right. The next 10 years, this is all I have. I have to live. I want to travel. I want to do that thing. So for the next 10 years, oh, wait, the market is down. Right? We've had a lost decade. If you take from about 2002 until 2012, 13, your money was basically back where you started. Right? In other words, you, you went up and down and right back up. And you're right where you left off. So don't think you're going to be in a position to where you are, uh, I don't know what the right answer is, but where you are putting at risk what you expect to have or not have, but what you expect to have in a place where you're talking about, oh, I don't know, losing, retiring, going back to work, finding yourself in a position to where you or your family might try to figure out what to do with you. Right. I mean, you've heard of these things, mother-in-law quarters, right? Because husband and wife, usually one of the moms is going to survive past a period of time and, and end up moving in with somebody. Now, if you ask a lady who's 67 years old or 69 years old, and she's in that go-go year period of time, and you say, hey, great, you know, there's going to be in 10 or 15 or 20 years, you're going to be forced to move in with one of your grandchildren or your children. And you're going to be living in that mother-in-law quarters and asking their permission to take you to the store or to a doctor's appointment or to the pharmacy or to your hair appointment, right? The things that you look forward to and that person, you are now a dependent, so to speak, of that person. Well, 
You might say, never. I will never do that. That's not going to be me. So then what do you think if that's the story? How do you plan? Well, I like the income way. There are financial professionals who say, listen, I can take 100000 and in the next 15 years turn it into a million dollars. Fantastic. You go do that. I'm not going to be able to do it. That's not my strength. I'm the guy who fixes the brakes on the car. Don't ask me to do your transmission. Don't ask me to put on windshield wipers or change you know, your, your rear taillight that's out. That's not me. I do brakes on the same model of car all the time. We protect your principal. We don't lose it. We don't go backwards. We don't charge you a monthly or quarterly or annual fee. We are paid because the companies make more money than they give you. It's very simple. They're always going to make a profit. And they pay us, simple, from their, pro- uh, from their profit. Right, we are paid because they're going to make money and they pay us. We don't take from your principal. We don't take from your interest. All right. Hey, listen, we'll be back in just a second. I want you to stay with me because when we come back, I'm going to get into some of the social security uh, questions and some of the issues that we're seeing, but also the IRS extended to something that just might matter to you. Eric Hallaby, the total financial hour, 888 retire That's 888-997-3847. Learn from Eric Hallaby. Learn about financial power. Security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power. Total financial hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with me. AM870, the answer. That's where you are. Total Financial Solutions and TFS Financial Insurance Services at the Total Financial Hour. We're talking about your family's finances, of course, getting out of debt, managing money. Look, we spoke about courage in the last uh, p- bit because I think this is important. The courage in your family, you need to stand up, folks. You need to stand up for what's right in the system, but you need to also understand, uh, well, a couple of things. You need to understand you have to have courage in your finances. If you think your financial professional is trading more than they should, I just had this with a client. He had an account for three years and he has less money today than he did then. And then we made a phone call. He added up the fees and in the last three years, his 280000 is still around 280000 like two eighty five or something. He's made a very little bit of money, except his broker has made in the last three years over $20,000. So how is it the broker made over 20000 He's made a couple of thousand dollars. And you say, well, what's going on? And these are big names, guys. These aren't small names like, oh, this is you know a little company with a guy in his basement who's doing my, my financial planning. No, no, no. By and large, you're only important to the people you're important, right? And it doesn't matter how much money you think you have. It is important to you because it is your money. This is your financial life, right? This is, whether it's 100000 or $250 million, it doesn't matter. It's your money. And your family has sat around and said, hey, surprise, we're going to take care of you. And you go, well, you know what? I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I don't need a lot of help from you. I prefer to do this. I prefer to go out on my own take care of my own needs. Now, there may be a day that's going to come where you're going to need help. I get it. The assistance is warranted. It's valuable and appreciated. Fine. What I don't want you to do is to be forced into a position of moving in with somebody or be forced into a position to say, I am stuck now having to rely on the the generosity of others. 
right? Of course you don't want to, but you might be forced to. So how do you make sure that you're not going to be somebody who is stuck in that world? Well, number one, I want you to know the difference. When you turn on Social Security, generally speaking, it is never going to go up. So you're going to say, here is my Social Security check, whatever it is, and I never plan on it ever going up again. A lot of things financially are out of your control. The federal government purposely sent out and added money to the system so that you and me and everybody else would have the ability to float our businesses. Remember when they did that? They said, oh, this is the PPE and we're going to float. Then what happens is on the other side of it, the states now restrict when, so of course, what states? The blue states, the Democrat states, the cities, the Democrat cities restrict on when they're going to actually open the economy. So meanwhile, a small business is treading water, floating, floating, paying some of its bills, certainly paying its employees, floating it, floating it, waiting for the market. They remember flatten the curve. They look at the news and they go, wow, well, shoot, we flattened the curve. It looks like the curve's flattened. And then they start saying, now it's about mask or social distancing. And they may start making up all of these new terms as if everybody's supposed to just agree. Look, if you're, you're, you're supposed to quarantine the sick or watch out for the vulnerable, not quarantine the healthy. It, it's bizarre. It's almost like some of the, the crazy things in history that we look back and say, how would anybody ever look at that and say, that's okay? How would anybody have ever, if I was back then in, in 1861, I would have done that. Well, you're in the middle of it, folks. This is it. This is your chance to be that person because your grandkids are going to look back and say, well, if it was me, I would have torn my mask off because I am educated to know that a bandana is not going to stop a virus. Uh, if it was me, I would stand up for businesses and say, you know, as long as businesses aren't sneezing on their, their hands and shaking hands, I'm okay with that. Right? That's what your grandchildren are going to say and look at you. They're going to say, grandparent, great-grandparent, where was your courage? Now, I'm not saying, you know, the virus is fake. Of course not, guys. People are sick. But have you seen people dying of cancer? They, it, it looks a horrible death. Pancreatic cancer, miserable, my word. Somebody who had a stroke, that's it. It's, it's a very bad to watch anybody at end of life, to deal with any health professional who works with those people. You have to have sympathy for them. What I'm saying is the courage for you to stand up, this is what is going to be measured in the future. Did you stand up? Are you still uh, obeying the rules because somebody says the rules are? I was with somebody recently, and, and forgive the analogy, but, but the conversation did get a little heated. And she said, oh, if I'm a rule follower, I'll do everything they tell me. I said, are you kidding? She said, yep, I'm a rule follower. I said, but do you ever like Google it or do the math or question things or do your own calculations or whatever? She says, nope, nope. I said, okay, so you would be the one on the train to Auschwitz even after they told you. She said, Yep, probably. I said, well, you know what? I guess I wouldn't be. I'd have been shot in the, on, on the train platform trying to get on the... I mean, I don't know. Right? Because you've got to think about this, guys. You have companies that have been laying off hundreds, if not thousands of employees after their federal government money wore out. Why? Because the cities and the states have decided to restrict it. They changed the rules of the game. 
Now, if they can do that with, quote, flatten the curve, or they can do that with, you can keep your insurance if you like your insurance. If they can do that where, uh, trust me, uh, there's, um, there's, you know, WMDs there. So let's mobilize the entire nation to war. If they can do that, then what are they going to do with your financial retirement stuff? They can do that in their sleep. So be careful. Watch it. Ask the questions. Get involved. Vote on board of directors and and uh, educate yourself. If you're a stock trader, if that's your thing, then you better get in there and learn and investigate and uh, buy and sell whenever it's appropriate for you. But don't let somebody who, quote, is an expert, look at all the initials after my name. Right now, uh, you, you must trust me. Well, what about that? What's that? So when and where is your family going to, to kind of come along and say, I don't know, maybe your mom or dad had, had courage back then, but somebody in your life has to have courage now. All right? So I need you to do that because that's a hard conversation to have when it's suddenly, when it's you. All right. You've heard me talk about Social Security. When do you turn on Social Security? What is the trade-off with Social Security? Well, it's going to be a couple of things. The first is your Social Security needs to sit down and it needs to come to a place where you and your family say, I'm going to turn this on and it's done. I'm not going to, in any more case, really expect a pay raise. So what about your pension? Does that have the same kind of rules? It could. It could. How about this, though? Should you have life insurance in retirement? Right? In retirement, my goal is to start lessening expenses, not increasing expenses. So what about reducing the amount of expenses I have? Is there a value for life insurance? Well, folks, there is. And we're going to talk about that in, in another show. I want to get into the details. But I want you to think about this for a second. There's a purpose to have life insurance. There's a value to have it as long as it fits. But if it doesn't, there's no reason for you to have it. So when can it fit? Well, first of all, you've paid for it for a while. You have a, a policy. And now you're sick. You're terminally ill. Or you're ill enough to where you can maybe sell your policy. There are companies that buy it. They'll say, listen, we'll pay you, I don't know, let's just make up a number. You have a million dollar policy and they'll give you 200,000 cash right now. Maybe you don't need the million or maybe you don't want to keep paying the policy, but you'd prefer to get the 200,000 cash today because you can use it to pay your bills. You can use it to reach out and say, hey, I want to take that trip or buy that experimental surgery that I couldn't afford otherwise. So, there are going to be ways where you can have multiple sources of income, and one of them could come from your life insurance policy. What's another reason to have life insurance? You are somebody that wants to leave money to your children or grandchildren or a charity. So instead of going out and taking your life insurance policy and just getting rid of it, you can assign it to that charity or, better yet, in some cases, you could actually spend down all of your money. Because a lot of people want to live, but they're afraid to, 
well, I'm not going to take that trip or buy that new car because I want to make sure my daughter gets something. Well, if she was to receive the life insurance, that's a tax-free transfer. Right? That money now goes to her in a tax-free manner. Very important because the money that you have in your retirement accounts, you are able to spend guilt-free. Right? Uh, I have a friend who's a, a Jewish friend, and he says, you know, it's a Jewish mother's guilt. Well, my dad's Lebanese, so I'd say a Lebanese father's guilt, right? They're, they, you better call, you better behave, don't forget this, and, you know, eat your vegetables, all of those things. Well, that same person says, but I want to take care of others. They're a giving person. They say, I want to give it. So by giving that to others, they, they, they say, well, I'm not going to spend all my money. If you have a life insurance policy, you can adjust that. You can now say and turn it around and say, I am leaving that to my kids. Eh, tax-free. Good job. All right. Last reason to have a life insurance policy is if you have what's called a cash value life insurance policy that is full of cash. It has an abundance amount of cash. You could reach out to your life insurance agent and say, can you give me an in-force illustration? I want an illustration that shows how much can I withdraw? What if I pull out each and every month something, whatever the number is, 5000 a month? How long will this policy last before it explodes or goes upside down or goes out of money or whatever? And they'll say, well, it can last this long. And you say, yes, it's good or no, it isn't. I want to drop it down to 3000 a month. Oh, you mean I could move it up to 7000 so you're going to have this as an option where you can actually, if it's full of cash, pull that money out. Ready for this? Tax-free. Now, it's a loan against the policy. So if you have a half a million dollar policy and you've pulled out in your lifetime $200,000, your beneficiary only receives three hundred, But you've pulled out two hundred. You've lived on it, so it's better for you. So there is a way to make it so that you can still have funds on your side and leave what's left to your beneficiary. So in other words, this gives you an option to live. It gives you the opportunity to have the money in your life insurance policy. The last thing I want you to do is just to cancel it. I just did. It was a 20-year term and I'm canceling. I don't need it. Wait, wait, wait. There might be something you can do because there are often things that you can do that you didn't even know. And for a lot of people, it might be the largest asset you have, right? It could be the only real asset to leave to a charity, maybe a hospital that took care of you. You heard me mention how messed up hospitals were and, and had become, and it's going to take them maybe five years to get over the economic mess that the coronavirus rules, because that's what it was. It wasn't the virus, guys, by the way. Just be clear on this. It wasn't the virus that caused the, the uh, shutdown of businesses and the layoff of people. No, no, no. It was the policies of the politicians. It was the decisions of, in many cases, the cowards. Instead of standing up to common sense, <laughs> they said, oh, you got to cover your mouth with something. You go, but so, oh, yeah, yeah, you can have a silk scarf. Okay, but you know that the holes are the size of the Grand Canyon, and I'm driving a little SUV through it uh, called the virus, right? The virus is 0.5 microns. Ask anybody. Search how big is the virus, 0.5 microns. What's the hole in cotton on a, on a handkerchief that you'll allow to, for me to use as a, as a uh, 
face covering. Well, now we're using non-N95 because if you use N95, it's a... So you're telling me that we've wasted the last, I don't know, how many months telling people that they could use an irrelevant, unworthy, unnecessary item? And now, but but now we're going to be serious. Guys, come on. You you know what I'm saying? I I mean, come on, think. Because your family counts on you. There's going to be a time when you're going to count on them. And if you didn't take care of them, financially speaking, right, by making good decisions, there's not going to be money left for you to take care of yourself. And with them shutting down businesses, you know, one of the things that I've always noticed And I was a shop steward. I was a union representative. So I was on that side of the aisle. Okay, I got it. Well, this was pretty important when I would sit there and be the the union representative. And we would get mad at companies and organizations. And I remember thinking, gosh, our union pension owns those same companies. Right? When the Teamsters got all mad at businesses or the General Motors uh, uh, union people got mad at big business. Do you realize... That's where your pension is invested is in that company's stock or in those bonds with that organization. So you can get mad at them. You can, you can tell them they have to change their ways, quote, be less profitable, but you're the one that's going to get less money in your pension. I always thought that was an odd thing. Like, is anybody explaining to these folks that the system is being ginned up by people that, I don't know that have a different agenda. So I want your conversations to be about protecting you and your family. When we talk about pensions, we talk about the idea of having money last the rest of your life. Uh, A recent report I saw from the Los Angeles Police Department, or in this case, the police and fire pension, has the funding at about 90%. Now, you and I would say, well, 90 is a big number. I like 90. So whatever your paycheck is, police and fire, Give up 10% of that, take a 10% pay cut, and now the money lasts forever. No problem. But if it doesn't, if you don't have it, then you've got to ask yourself, if the entire city of Los Angeles budget, okay, the entire budget, I mean, soup to nuts, beginning to end, how how much do you think it is? I don't know. I'll give you a second to guess. Well, let me give you a number before I give you what the budget is. $750 million is necessary to make sure that the city of L.A. uh, funds the police pension. Okay, so in other words, we've got a big number here. But what percentage of that? When $457 million is supposed to go to housing, temporary shelters, $36 million goes to homeless folks. But in the city of L.A., they've decided to spend $940 million to improve the bridges, streets, roads. And $750 million for the L.A. City Police and Fire Pension. Do you realize, now listen, I want that to happen. I like that. But 
what I think you need to understand, guys, is that for this to happen, eventually the city of L.A. doesn't have money for bridges and roads. Eventually, the pensions eat up everything. Now, if you think I'm going to uh, solve this problem, <laughs> I mean, everybody has ideas. I'm one of them, right? Uh, well, the city of Los Angeles has, uh, you know, reserves. Okay, well, how much? Well, last year's, at the end of last year's budget plan, um, $400 million? Okay, that's great. That's gone now with the coronavirus deal. That, that, that's eaten all of that up. And yet they have somewhere around 4 million residents in the city of Los Angeles. 4 million. And you think eight or 9,000 are going to be, uh, of law enforcement, are going to be there to, to stop? It's just not going to... So the, the money that you are expecting, if you pay, whether it's the city, whether it's the county, from a budget standpoint, from a taxpayer standpoint, there just isn't enough money. We have to think about this, guys, because if you're going to stay in the city of L.A., if you're going to stay in this county or the state of California, when you retire, if that is your plan, then what I want you to do is to make sure that most of your money that comes to you or the best you can is tax-free or tax-favored. Now, that is a conversation between you and your CPA or your tax preparer. If you want us involved, we are a big part of that. But I think you need to have part of your fam- your your financial family, the tax conversation. Because I think a greater percentage of your income is going to be subject to tax. Now, there's a great website uh, that you can go to. Just type in, you know, how much does it cost to live in another state compared to, you know, California? And they will, you put in your zip code, and then you put in the zip code of where you want to live. I think MarketWatch has it, Bankrate.com has it, and it tells you you're going to save 30%. You'll you'll have to pay more or less, and it will give you the number, whether it's Texas, Arizona, Nevada, Idaho, North Carolina. It doesn't matter. You could put in whatever city or zip code. Now, it may not have every little nook and cranny city or village, so you find the one that's close. Find the one that's as similar as possible, and that will give you... Where I, what I think is the most important part of the formula, which is, if I'm going to stay, what does it cost me? And I share that with you so that you will get involved. Because if you don't know, if you don't know how, how crazy it is that the politicians are spending your money like, like it's water, and then when it comes time, are you ready for this? Then when it comes time for them to retire, they take their pensions, their savings, their book deals, and they move. They move. Their city of residence, their county of residence is outside of the places that they just messed up with all of their rules and regulations and taxes. Take a look at every single politician that's retired and see in the state of California and see if their, their quote, place of residence is in the state of California. They might have a house here, but their driver's license won't say this place is a residence because When you are wealthy, you earn money through what's called unearned income. For most of us, that would be dividends, interest from your savings accounts or your CDs, interest from your uh, capital gains, if you will, from your mutual funds and stocks, etc. 
Unearned income would be your pension. Unearned income would be Social Security. So what is the earned part of it? Well, earlier today, or I should say this week, I spoke to a lady on the phone who, her and her husband both, when Toyota left the South Bay, left the company because they didn't want to move to Texas. So you realize the earned income part of things, that's where the state that, that you live and where their business is. So, for example, if I live in California and I have a job in California, then my earned income comes from California. But because I'm a resident here, all my other income is taxed accordingly as well. But what if I have a, quote, house in, I don't know, Nevada, Las Vegas, and I have a house here, but my residence is Las Vegas. I'm there six months plus one day a year. Whatever the rules are, I follow. All of my unearned income is taxed according to Nevada law, which is nothing. Federal is the same. It doesn't matter where you are. Federal is the federal. So what people do is they have unearned income in retirement. That is a very big deal for you and your family because for most of you, you don't understand where does your income come from? You know, the wealthy people, they have a, quote, vacation home in Bel Air on the west side. I have a vacation home in, in Anaheim Hills and their residence is in a condo in Miami. It's what they do. Oh, but it's not legal. Yeah, you're right. Yep, you got them. You caught them. It's not legal. Well, then do something about it, right? Fix the state so that people don't have to be sneaky. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I'm the financial guy. I'm Arif Hallaby. <laughs> I'm not running for office anytime soon. Triple eight ninety nine retire Hey, listen, you need to make sure you always vote. That's important. And if you'd like to come and see me, it'd be my pleasure. We have offices around Southern California. Triple eight ninety nine retire 888-997-3847. Thanks for listening. On AM870, The Answer, this is your place for news, talk, and information. This is the Total Financial Hour on AM870, The Answer. I'll retire, come to be, thanks to Arab Halaby. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arab makes your money work.